Good morning and welcome to our online worship service. Believe it or not, this is week eight of stay-at-home orders. And uh, the way I keep track of that is because this is our eighth online worship service. I think I can keep track of it just as easily by, uh, by paying attention to how long Pastor Bear, Darren's beard is growing. He's chosen to have a quarantine beard during this time. And so here is him in quarantine week one. And uh, this is him today, quarantine week eight. And uh, here's my prediction for what he will look like by the end of the month of May. All of this is affecting us differently and personally. Like I'm waiting for Marissa to be able to cut my hair again. And, uh, and some days I don't get around to showering until the evening. You know, even evening showers make social, social distancing necessary for more than one reason. In all seriousness, though, this is a difficult and confusing time. And I'm praying for you. In fact, if there's anything specific I can pray for you about, uh, let me know. With all of this happening, it makes you wonder if there is, if some of this is spiritual warfare. If what is going on affected by the unseen realm, by what we cannot see with, what, with our physical eyes. Do you think that coronavirus is an attack from Satan. When we consider the fact that sickness and disease entered into the world when Satan tempted Adam and Eve and they sinned against God, it makes you wonder what role Satan and his demons have in what is going on in the world right now. In our sermon this morning, we're back in the Gospel of Luke and we're picking up off of, uh, on the heels of what we looked at Last week in Jesus uh, teaching us to pray, and part of what he prayed uh, for was that the kingdom of God would come and that we would be able to resist temptation, the temptation that comes from the evil one. And now as we look at this uh, passage this morning, what we see here is we see Jesus casting out a demon. And this demon has caused a physical affliction on the person that it has inhabited. And so this morning's message will look at this uh, topic of demons and spiritual warfare. I've titled today's message, What Everyone Needs to Know About Demons. And, uh, and I'm not saying what everything anyone needs to know about demons. I'm saying what are the essentials that Jesus teaches us here in this passage. And my hope is that by the end of this sermon, that we would be able to identify the works of demons in our lives and know how to fight against him. The passage that we're going to be looking at is found in Luke 11. And to give it, get us started, I'm going to just read the first couple verses, verses 14 and 15. Luke 11, verses 14 and 15. Jesus was driving out a demon that was mute. When the demon left, the man who had, who had been mute spoke, and the crowd was amazed. But some of them said, By Beelzebul, the prince of demons, he is driving out demons. As we deal with this difficult topic of demons and spiritual warfare, 
it seems very appropriate that we would pause now and pray and ask for God's help. In fact, ask for God's protection against the attacks of the evil one. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father God, as we look at your passage of scripture that you have for us today, we pray that you would come and be our teacher. And in fact, that you would just put your hedge of protection around us. Each of us in our different and individual homes, uh, God, we pray that you would come and be our teacher and also just come and, and uh, guard our homes and our hearts and our minds so that we would be able to hear clearly from you and to be able to take these truths from your word and apply them to our lives. So God, we come before you now and ask for your help. In Jesus' name, amen. The first thing we need to say about demons in this sermon is that demons exist and are active today. You know, when we read this passage, I'll admit that it almost sounds like it's completely removed from the reality that we live in. I don't know if we would, we would experience this in exactly the same way, but we need to know that this is not just some ancient story that was a scene that would only take place in Bible times, but that Satan, maybe in, in ways a little bit different, in, in ways that are strategically uh, geared towards our society today, uh, he still attacks. The demons exist and are active today. Ephesians 6.12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That's the world that we still live in today. It's in a world that is, that is fighting a spiritual battle. We are in a war against Satan and, and his forces of evil. And if we are in a war, then we need to know how to identify our enemy and know how to fight against him. And so as we look at Jesus' teaching this morning, we're going to see ways to identify demons in our lives, and we're going to uh, see ways to fight against them. First of all, Jesus now uh, goes on to teach us how to identify demons at work in our lives. There is a lot of ignorance that is uh, at place in, at this time. People are accusing Jesus of driving out demons by Beelzebul, who he calls the, which it says here is the prince of demons. And he says, let me just tell you how all of this works. Let me show you how to identify demons in your lives. And he goes on to teach them, teach them. Verse 17, Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, Any kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and a house divided against itself will fall. If Satan is divided against himself, how can his kingdom stand? I say this because you claim that I drive out demons by Beelzebul, now, if I drive out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your followers drive them out? So then, they will be your judges. 
But if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God will come upon you. Jesus speaks here of two kingdoms. He uses a rational thought to say a kingdom cannot be divided against itself and stand. He's uh, confronting the idea that he is driving out demons by the prince of demons. We're given that prince's name, Beelzebul. And he's saying that's quite ridiculous. Why would, if I'm on the side of demons, be casting out demons? He says that, no, I'm a part of a different kingdom. I'm a part of the kingdom of God. He says that the kingdom of God has come upon you. And part of the way you see that happening is by me casting out demons. Last, in last week's sermon, I defined the kingdom of God as uh, life as God intends it. We see here in this passage that there is a second kingdom. It is the kingdom of Satan. And by using the definition from last week, we might be able to define the kingdom of Satan as, uh, as that realm in which Satan tries to stop the life that God has intended for us. Jesus taught us this, that the thief being Satan comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. What's he trying to steal, kill, and destroy? The life that God intends for us. He's trying to rob us of the, of the life that, the, the blessings that God has for us in this life. He's trying to destroy the good that God would have for us. And then Jesus goes on to say, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I've come to bring a different kind of kingdom. The kingdom, a kingdom that is life as God intends it. With this thought of the, these two kingdoms in mind, we begin to identify, we begin to come up with ways to identify demons at work in our lives. The first is this, that demons work in opposition to God and his plans. In other words, demons are going to stand against the kingdom of God. The way that we, one way that we can identify uh, the work of demons around us is, by to, is to know God and his plans for us and to understand that, that Satan is going to stand in opposition to that. And that's quite the sobering thought. Because that means if we are seeking to do the will of God, we can expect that Satan would come and try to oppose us. And try to oppose the work of God in our lives. In fact, Peter says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to, to devour. You see, we have to be alert. We have to be uh, able to identify. We have to be on guard because Satan comes like a lion, a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. He wants to stand in opposition to God and his plans. One of the ways we can identify demons is that demons work in opposition to God and his plans. When we see those plans being hindered, we can know that we are in, the, we are in a spiritual war. The second way we can do it is, is that demon, the second way we can identify demons is that demons display the characteristics of Satan. Satan has certain characteristics. He's consistent in his nature. He always sows the same types of things. He's done it since the Garden of Gethsemane. 
Satan is always going to try to sow doubt. Is God really good? Has he really told you not to do that? He sows doubt. He sows fear. He sows guilt and confusion, envy, pride, slander, and the list could go on. Satan has certain characteristics. When we see those things at work around us or even in us, we can know that we are uh, in the middle of a spiritual war. The Bible calls Satan a liar. He's going to lie. That's who he is. That's what he does. Jesus said there is no truth in him. When he speaks, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And so when you see these things happening around you or even, uh, or even in your own heart, things that you know are not true, things that are causing doubt and confusion, uh, these are the characteristics of the evil one. He is a liar. He is a fear monger. He's constantly trying to stir up fear and paralyze people to do what God, uh, from doing what God wants them to do. But God drives out fear. But Satan stands in opposition to that and he seeks to cause you to worry and to be full of fear towards all kinds of things. He is a fear monger. He is an accuser. In Revelation 12.10, he is called the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before God day and night. I can tell you that he will accuse you. He will tell you lies. He will tell you that you are stuck in your sin and that you are no good. He will seek to fill you with guilt and condemn you before God. He will tell you that no one can really love you, including God himself. He is an accuser. He is a slanderer. He will sow evil thoughts about others. He will, he will cause us to have desires not to be in favor of others, but to stand in, uh, in, in the way of others, to harm them will stir up thoughts of prejudice and evil. He is a slanderer, and we know he is a tempter. He always has and he always will tempt people from doing what God wants them to do. And so when we sense over and over again that temptation comes at us like waves, we are in the middle of a spiritual war. We must stand and uh, we must recognize Satan and his works to stand against it. And the third way that we identify Satan and his work in, in and around us is when it bothers the Holy Spirit living inside of us. Sometimes you get that sense, just that sense of, that, of the presence of evil, that there is something going on around us that is not quite right. The third point is that demons bother the Holy Spirit living inside of us. Each of us that are Christians have the Holy Spirit living within us. And sometimes when we have the Holy Spirit living within us, uh, the Holy Spirit will nudge us to know that something is not quite right. There is the presence of evil. We have a little dog at home. His name is Blake. And uh, Blake is, has that ability to sense when there's someone coming at the front door. I don't know how he does it. I don't know if he just has really good hearing or if this is just an innate sense that dogs have. But he'll start yelping uh, be before someone can ring the doorbell. 
and we thought, oh, someone's coming to the front door. Now, once in a while, he'll start yelping, and, uh, and I'll go to the front door, and I'll be like, Blake, nobody's there. We don't always get this right, and I'll admit this is somewhat subjective, but the more that we walk in communion with the Holy Spirit in us, the more we will be able to sense that there is something that's just not quite right. You know, this morning I've chosen to give the sermon here in the church sanctuary, and part of that is just out of a sense of the weightiness of the topic of today's message. Knowing that, and, and I knew I wanted to be in a place that I know has been prayed over many times. This is a place that is sacred and set aside for God's work. But even in this place, there have been times where I have sensed that, that Satan is going to come and, uh, and try to wreak havoc on what we are doing. And many times you know, when I have sensed that, I've just begun to walk around the church property and pray. God, have your way. Protect us. Bind the evil one that, that your ways can reign here. You know, one of the things that we are challenged uh, to do is to pray against Satan and his ways. But before we can do that, we have to be able to recognize demons at work. These are the three ways that Jesus gives us. Demons work in opposition to God and his plans. Demons display the characteristics of Satan. And demons bother the Holy Spirit living inside of us. Now that we've identified these, Jesus goes on to teach us how we can fight against demons at work in our lives. And he does that here in verses 21 through 26. It says, When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own house, his possessions are safe. But when someone stronger attacks and overpowers him, he takes away the armor in which the man trusted and divides up his plunder. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. When an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes into arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the home swept clean and put in order. Then it goes and takes seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there. And the final condition of that person is worse than the first. The analogy that Jesus uses throughout these verses is that of a house. And we know that the Bible speaks of a person's heart as a house. In fact, we are, we are Christians, are, we are said to be the temple of the Holy Spirit, that God uh, lives within us. And, uh, and as he speaks of a house, what he is talking about is, is fighting demons, uh, fighting off spiritual forces in our lives to, that they would not take up uh, residence in our spiritual house, in our hearts. And we're inviting God in. And so the ways that we fight against demons are these ways. First of all, to be on God's side and to rely on Him. This is what he's talking about when he says, The strong man guards his own house, but when someone stronger attacks and overpowers him, 
then, uh, then, then he's in big trouble. Then he's going to have his possessions taken away as plunder. And so what is Jesus, uh, uh, so what ought we do to fight against that? We are to be on God's side and to rely on him because Jesus is the stronger man. When I was growing up, I was always small for my age. I was kind of a late bloomer. In fact, uh, I joined the wrestling team when I was in high school, and my sophomore year, I was still wrestling in the smallest weight class. I wrestled 103 pounds as a, as a freshman and as a sophomore. And when I joined the wrestling team, one of the things I did was I became friends with the heavyweight, because the heavyweight was strong, and there were bullies in my school, and I thought hey, if I'm good friends with the heavyweight, then I don't have to worry about the bullies because the heavyweight will have my back. The same thing here. I just We ought to know that Satan is strong, and if we rely on our own strength, we are in deep trouble. But if we learn to rely on God, he is stronger. He has the victory. The first Christians in Acts 18 uh, uh, were learning how to fight this spiritual war, and it says... Acts 19, verse 15, one day the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know and Paul I know about, but who are you? Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. You see, what they did was, they needed what they needed to learn here is not to rely on their own strength, but to rely on Jesus and his strength. In fact, the evil spirit says, Jesus I know. And so when we're engaged in this spiritual war, we ought not to rely on our own strength, but we ought to call on the name of Jesus. Jesus they know, and so we pray in Jesus' name that, the, that, that these evil forces would be bound. We rely on his strength. You know, I would challenge you to do that in your own life. To pray and to dedicate yourself to the Lord. Just as I said, I, I oftentimes have gone around uh, this church property praying that this place would be set aside for only the work of God to do. I invite you to, to do that in the areas of your life that you have influenced. In fact, I know many of you are taking walks in the evening during this time. Uh, whenever I take a walk in the evening around my neighborhood, I, I see people out walking. They can't go to the restaurant. Oftentimes, the places where they're used to spending their evenings are closed down, and so they walk the neighborhoods. And I encourage you, as you walk your neighborhoods, to pray. Pray that God would, would reign in these places. In fact, I'm going to attach to this message. You can go to the website afterwards, and I'll have an attachment on how to do a prayer walk through your community. And really what you're doing is you're just praying that Satan would have no reign there, but that the victory of God would come. The first thing we must learn to do when we fight against the attacks of the evil one is uh, to identify with God, to be on God's side, and to rely on Him. The second thing to do to, uh, that we need to do to fight the attacks of of demons is to have nothing to do with Satan and to flee from him. You know, Jesus uh, talks about in this passage about how we need to clean house. In other words, we need to get rid of Satan and his, his uh, forces in our lives to, to have nothing to do with him. 
And I recognize that there's something kind of interesting about Satan. Many are just curious. They'll go on YouTube and watch some exorcism. Or they'll, or we maybe are attracted to the movie that has that, that evil bent to it or the TV show. When I was a kid, uh, kids would like to play around with like the Ouija board and ways to try to contact evil spirits or, or some will go to poem readers and all of those things. You may say, hey, you're being kind of radical about all of those things. All I know is that Satan is like a roaring lion looking for a place to pounce. He's looking for anywhere he might get a foothold. And so my advice to you is have nothing to do with it. Have nothing to do with him and his ways. In fact, to flee. 1 Corinthians 14, 12 says, in regards to evil, be infants, be ignorant, have nothing to do, have nothing to do with Satan, to flee from him. In another passage, 2 Corinthians, it says that Satan masquerades as an angel of light, but he is no angel of light. He hates you and wants to destroy you. And so James advises us, resist the devil and he will flee from you. That's my advice. Resist the devil. In other words, have nothing to do with him. And by fleeing from him, he will flee from you. This is what, this is how we fight against demons. We have nothing to do with Satan and we flee from him. That's what Jesus says, clean house. But then Jesus goes on to say that after the demons had left, they go out into arid places and looking for a place to rest, they come back to where they were cast out and they find the house clean. And so they bring seven demons more evil than themselves, more wicked than themselves, and they take up residence. Here is the third point of how we fight against Satan is we fill up our lives with God and his work. In other words, make sure that your home has your, the home of your heart has no room for them to come back and to have any sort of influence. Fill up your life with God and His work. How do you do that? Well, practically speaking, we read our Bibles and we pray. We get involved in the work of ministry. We, we fill our lives with all kinds, with all the things of God. And, uh, and if, if our lives are, if our hearts are the temple of the Holy Spirit, we make the Holy Spirit very comfortable. We set up furniture, we give him a dining room table, we have communion with him. In other words, we fill up our lives with God. And that is how we fight against Satan and his works, by uh, filling our lives more and more with the, with the ways of God. Because it does not give room for Satan to influence us. When we look at this passage about uh, demons and we see what Jesus did there in the first century, it makes us uh, wonder, could people still be possessed by demons today? And first of all, the, the way I would want to answer that question is, first of all, yes, I do think they could be, people can be possessed by demons. In fact, I see many people controlled by things that are completely opposed by, uh, to God. I see many people controlled by the love of money or, the, or, or, or lust or, or hatred towards others. And uh, 
And I wonder if there is spiritual warfare. In, the, in fact, I wonder if there is demon possession. Now, when we see, hear stories from other countries, we see these radical stories of people that are thrown and cast them out and scratching themselves, and, and it's an ugly scene. And yet I think Satan is no dummy. In fact, I think he comes strategically into our culture and he possesses people in different ways, in ways that would not make us run from him, but, but cause us to be influenced by him. So in one way, I do think people can still be possessed by demons. But you ought to also know that if you are possessed by the Holy Spirit, if you have given your life to Christ and God lives within you, you cannot be possessed by a demon. Now, you can be influenced by a demon and you can be influenced by Satan. That's why we have this sermon of learning to identify and fight. But you cannot be possessed by, the Holy, by, by a demon because you are possessed by the Holy Spirit. God lives within you and he will not share his house with Satan or one of his spirits. So these are the ways that we fight off demons by being on God's side and relying on him, by having nothing to do with Satan and fleeing from him, and by filling yourself up with God and his work. You know, I started this sermon by asking the question, do you think that coronavirus is an attack from Satan? My answer for, to that question is, yes, I do. I see all of the evil that is caused by this disease, and I think it is an evil disease. It's causing people to die who are innocent and do not deserve to die. And then I see the results of how some people are, are taking advantage of the system and getting money that they should not have, while others are going hungry and want to work and can't work. That's not God's ways. That's the ways of Satan. I see uh, kids that some are, some are very happy at home being homeschooled, but there are others who are not being educated during this time. The single moms that have to work full time, how are they able to do it? These are difficulties that don't come from God. These are the results of Satan and prejudices towards Asian Americans simply because this disease originated in an Asian country. That's not of God, that's of Satan. And so do I think that the coronavirus is an attack of Satan? Yes, I do. And it gives us all the more motivation to pray against it and to pray that it wouldn't advance no farther. But at the same time, I know that God is still stronger. He is the stronger man that Jesus talks about in him in this passage, and he is the ability to take what is intended for harm and to use it for his glory and for our good. And so while we pray against the advance of this evil disease, we also pray that God would use it to, to open up doors for us to show and share his love to others through what is going on. In fact, now we're going to turn to the Lord's table and partake of communion together. And this is a meal to remind us of the victory that we had through Jesus' death and resurrection. Let's take the Lord's Supper together.